this week's episode of the Inner Circle podcast. Uh, this week I have with me uh, Cesar Cerudo from uh, IO Active. So uh, welcome, uh, Cesar, and uh, can you, uh, I guess, kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, what you do? Hi, Tony. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, I'm CTO for IO Active Labs. I'm in charge of research projects. I deal with vulnerabilities, contact the vendors, uh, help to to publish the research in you know paper, blog post, at conferences. I also do research myself and I'm present at different events around the world. Um, I have been doing this for almost 15 years, so I'm pretty experienced on security research. Okay. Um... <clears throat> so I, I want to talk uh, a little bit about the research that uh, IOActive is uh, sharing uh, at uh, the Kaspersky Security Analyst Summit uh, this week. Um, but before we go there, um, just in case there's anyone listening who might not know somehow, uh, can you provide uh, just kind of a brief overview or explanation of what ransomware is? Sure. Well, ransomware is a kind of malware which, after compromising a system, usually it will encrypt all the valuable information, you know, mostly documents, uh, uh, Excel files, Microsoft Word files, or could be other vendor office uh, related files. Um, after encrypting the, those files, it will erase all the, all the data and then ask the victim for a ransom if they want to recover the information. Uh, usually, the latest version of the different ransomware are pretty advanced, so they use a very secure encryption algorithm, and the only way sometimes to recover the information is by paying the ransom. Um, sometimes also, some ransomware has some programming mistakes, or then after some research, uh, some companies obtain information on how to recover the encryption keys, how to generate the, generate the keys. Um, maybe you can recover the information in that way. But it's a very serious threat. And usually, uh, and sadly, people lose uh, a lot of uh, money because you know information is very valuable and they don't have backups sometimes and so they have two options or they lose everything or they have to pay the ransom also paying the ransom doesn't guarantee that you you will get the information back because they are cyber criminals so they can give you the keys to recover your information or maybe they won't give you anything and you will lost your information and also your money because you already paid that that's true <clears throat> although I've always one of one of the things I've always appreciated, <clears throat> excuse me, about the uh, sort of the strategy or the business model of ransomware is that at least in, in, in when it started, the ransom was generally a reasonable sum of money. Like it wasn't, you know, like they weren't they weren't you know encrypting someone's uh, you know data and then asking them for a million dollars. They were asking them for an amount of money that a lot of people could probably come up with, and then they were giving you back your data. Which I think is very crucial to that business model because if if there started to be attackers out there who encrypted your data with ransomware 
but then did not return your data to you when you paid the ransom, people would stop paying the ransom. Like if that became a thing, the ransomware wouldn't work as well anymore. So it, 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 it's kind of interesting to me that, you know, there is sort of a honor among thieves aspect to it um, for the most part of, you know, they, they sort of have to return your data to you in order to keep that business model going. Yes, you're right. Uh, initially, it was, you know, they were uh, requesting for Bitcoins. Um, and maybe, you know, five years ago, there was a very different value of Bitcoin, and they would request a, probably a, a few hundred dollars. But if we take that value of Bitcoin today, it will be very several thousands. Yes, anyway, that's true. at that time, it was like uh, the, the, the attacks. They, they weren't targeted. It was, you know, a mass attack, uh, usually automated, so it could infect everyone around the world. And over time, they automated everything, so people will follow a simple mechanism in order to pay and get the, the key, the encryption key back, so they could um, record the information. But then it starts to be more targeted attack, because in, in at the beginning they didn't care if they will infect you know a home user or maybe a big corporation and the value of the data is very different from a simple user that the, if you encrypt a database for instance of a big corporation so they will request the same amount of money to everyone but then I think uh, lately we sometimes we see more targeted attacks when they know who the victim is and how much the information could be bought. So right. they could request a bigger amount of money. Yep, that makes sense. Um, okay, so uh, so that's ransomware. Now let's shift gears a little bit um, and talk about uh, uh, you and your team did a lot of research uh, you know, last year or the past couple of years um, on vulnerabilities in robots. Um, and, and I mean, so you guys had some very cool uh, hacks and stuff that you uh, revealed last year. Um, so can you talk a little bit then about how, uh, basically how pervasive robots are uh, now and the role uh, they will play in the future and why these vulnerabilities that you've discovered are so critical? Well, it was a bit more than one year ago where we published our research. We did on several uh, models of robots from different vendors and um, we found more than 50 different vulnerabilities on all the robots. So we could conclude that the, um, most of them were insecure. It was not something isolated like vulnerability affecting just one brand of robots and one model. It was most of them very vulnerable. And, and what's different about you know IoT or software in general well, robots are a, a very different breed of IoT if we want to relate it with IoT because robots are like computers with arms and legs or wheels. Um, they also have cameras, they have microphones, they can move around, they can grab things and, and throw things also. So when you think about security and their related threats, the impact is a lot bigger than you know hacking regular computers or IoT because a robot can end up, you know, hurting someone uh, because they are using, you know, a factories, the industrial robots, 
or they can be used for, by, for espionage because they have cameras and they can move and, and they can hear everything. Yeah. Um, so we found this very interesting and and also a, a really challenge because we identified that most of the vendors, you know, offering uh, roads in the commercial uh, commercial roads. Uh, most of the project started similar. Like uh, in the robotics community, they start with a proof of concept project, you know, research project. So once the project grows, they realize that it has commercial value. They could profit for, from from the project in, in some way. So they start to get funding, and then they release a commercial product. But the problem is that in all of that transition. Uh, security is never uh, present. It's like, you know, because initially it was a research project, so security wasn't important because you are focused more on providing a lot of functionality, on doing a lot of testing, so security doesn't really matter. But when you are thinking a commercial product, then you should really care about security because if not, then you will be exposing the robots and your customers to attacks. And sadly, we are seeing that these robots go on sale, they go on production without adding any security from the proof of concept or from their research project, which is really, uh, really critical because, you know, we, we people that work on, on security, we know the later you add security, the later you think about security is the more expensive and the more difficult to fix. Definitely, definitely. Um... And and you know, for some reason, in, in spite of that being a a simple reality and having that be a, a truth that has existed as long as IT has existed, uh, it still is for some reason a struggle <laughs> to get to get people yeah. to understand that and 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 develop security into products uh, earlier in the cycle. Um, that's right. So, so now now we get to the interesting part. So now let's combine those two things and talk about uh, you know. The, the research uh, you're sharing now, um, where we're talking specifically not just about vulnerabilities in robots and not just about ransomware, but basically compromising a robot as a form of ransomware. So walk me through that scenario. Well, part of my job is try to you know demonstrate what's the real impact uh, from the security threats because. One thing is, you know, you find a lot of security problems and you say, okay, this technology is insecure, it should be fixed, and, and that's it. But something more uh, complete will be, okay, these are the security problems and this is the impact it will have on business, on people, and how it will affect uh, the way they work, the way they live. Because in that way, people realize how important is security. So having this in mind, we continue with the robot security research, and so we talk about what could be a, a threat that will really impact business or even homes worldwide. And we came up with the idea about ransomware for robots. So in order to to complement this idea, we, we, we talk about you know creating a proof of concept using our previous research where by exploiting some of the vulnerabilities we found on some of the robots, then we could compromise the robots, run code inside the robots, and then perform some actions that will make the robots uh, non-operating, 
and in this way uh, the business will start losing money because one main difference be between regular ransomware and ransomware for robots is that on regular ransomware they go after the data they encrypt all the data and, and you have to pay to recover it but robots don't store much data most of the data they process or they capture they send it back to some uh, backend system you know to other endpoints so they don't hold much data so what will be the way for cyber criminals to to get money by compromising a robot and we think that the way will be to make the robot stop working why because robots are very tied to production and to services so every second that a robot stop working means that the business will be losing money because you have the robot using, you know, for doing sales at a retail store, providing information to people, or you have the uh, industrial robot that are producing different kinds of goods. So when they stop working, is that you stop making money because you stop making sales, you stop uh, producing goods. Um, so in this way, ransomware can, you know, uh, take control of the internal system of the robot and this allow, for instance, that you can restore it to factory settings and this allow update mechanisms. Um, in this way, uh, business owners won't have the possibility uh, to make the robot work again. And one common characteristic we saw on different robots is that there is is that it's very difficult to fix a problem in a robot because it's not like a computer when it doesn't work, you know, you can uh, use a backup to recover the information and continue running or you can format the hard disk, install again the operating system and the tools and you can continue using it. But with a robot, robots is a lot more complex because once it stops working, you have to contact the vendor and sometimes you have to ship the robot back to the vendor so they can fix it and then they will return it to you and that takes a lot of time it could be days or it could be even weeks but the same if you have to find some specific uh, technician to come on site and repair the, the robots that have been affected by ransomware or any other problem um, so we find this a very effective way that ransomware and robot what we'll do is make the rob the robot to start working normally so the best and quickly way for the business owner will be to pay the ransom so they can quickly uh, fix the robot and get it back to production or to continue with the services. Because otherwise, you know, you have to ship the, the robot for several miles to the vendor and wait to get it fixed. And in the meantime, you lose a lot of money that is probably more than the one you have to pay for the ransomware. Interesting. So, and, and you know, and, and that actually can be true to an extent, even with a, a traditional ransomware that's just encrypting your data, where you know you, you kind of have to like weigh it out and say, okay, yeah, like, like let's assume you have backups, but you can still weigh that out and say, okay, how long is it going to take me to restore from backup and resume normal operation, and how much money is that going to lose me versus the ransom? But in this case. Uh, you know, I think what's what's kind of scarier and, and interesting about this uh, about this scenario is, you know, as you pointed out, you you can't have a backup. I mean, I mean, I guess you could have a spare robot on hand just in case, but I mean, but it's not. You know, if if 
if you compromise, uh, for instance, the manufacturing production line robots in a General Motors uh, you know, factory, um, you know, General Motors is losing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, for every hour that those those are offline, and uh, and it's not as simple as just restoring from backup. Which means, you know, like you said, you, you, you have to very seriously then consider, well, is it, is it more cost effective for me to just pay this ransom and get back to production than it is to try to solve the problem? Yeah, that's right. And, and something I, I forgot to mention is that most robots are pretty expensive. We are talking about $10,000 each or more. Um, so it's not something, and, and also they are, you know, they have different sizes. So it's not something that is easy to move from one side to other side. It's not easy to ship. Uh, for instance, when we were doing the research, we have an hour robot from SoftBank, and it just started to malfunction. So we contacted the support because we couldn't fix it, and they say you have to ship it back to us. Um, and we were in Argentina, so we have to ship it to the U.S. And pay for all the, you know, all the shipping cost, and then get it back. And when we get it back, we also have to pay for the custom handling of the robot because we were importing some electronics. And so we ended up spending money to get the the robot fit, and we lost like three weeks of research uh, waiting for the robot to get it back. So we we already uh, live that in our experience when researching the, the when sorry when doing this research right right um <clears throat> okay so so you know this this conversation is more focused on those kind of manufacturing level robots or or whatever you know like the production robots um and but is it is it only a risk for production robots and and those types of things or is there also a potential ransomware risk, obviously to a much lesser extent, but of say a ransomware compromise that uh, you know takes my Amazon Echo or my Nest camera or my Neo robot vacuum and and shuts that down and makes it non-functional? Um, I mean, is that is that also something that could happen? Well, I think that will be. Uh, more complex and also I'm not sure if it will make much sense because those products are cheaper and you know and sometimes it will be easier to replace them than to pay ransom but who knows maybe it's a possibility yeah and, actually and also, go ahead no, and also this not only affect you know industrial robots and industrial collaborative robots this also affect you know Commercial robots that are used in retail um, and on different industry. For instance, the, the robots we researched, they are used on hospitals, airports, um, stores. For instance, we in, in we are publishing a, a blog post also where we are detailing that in the U.S. Sprint, you know the the wireless uh, communication provider. They are deploying these robots all around the U.S. at their stores, so they can, you know, provide customer service. They can attend people. They can uh, maybe make sales. 
so in this case, these robots are, you know, they are smaller, they are not as strong like the industrial robots, but once they are compromised, then the business will suffer because they will stop working and, we and they won't continue uh, being able to provide services. Okay, that makes sense. I was going to say that, uh, that I, you know, like I agree with you when it comes to like the Amazon Echo. It's like, okay, if it did get compromised and they were like, hey, your Amazon Echo no longer works because we've compromised it with ransomware, I'd be like, eh, whatever. You know, <laughs> like I'm, my life doesn't depend on the Amazon Echo and I'm not going to pay your ransom. You know, I can, I can get a new one. But, uh, but there are some, you know, I mean, the more, the more these technologies uh, kind of invade our lives, the, I think the, the, the more risk is there because like, for example, I've also got a, you know, app enabled internet connected, uh, you know, deadbolt for my front door. So now that's a bigger deal because if you take control of that and you make it so I can't get into my house, <laughs> then I'm, then I might be more likely to pay your ransom. But, uh, but yeah, the Amazon echo, not a big deal. Yeah, you're right. There are different, you know, devices that when they are more integrated on your life, on, on your everyday life, then if it doesn't work for any reason, then you have a, you suffer the consequences. It has a big impact on your life. So probably, you know, cyber criminals used to target what is more cost effective for them and where they can profit uh, more without the, doing much effort. So once some technology goes mainstream and a lot of people use it and a lot of people depend on that, then they start to threaten that technology. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, yeah. So in the in the uh, blog post that goes with this podcast, I will share a link uh, to uh, some of this research. Uh, you know, for the, for listeners who want to uh, look into this more and, and see what, uh, you know, the interesting stuff that IO Active has uh, been doing and the stuff that they've come up with and, uh, uh, you know, about ransomware and robots and, and all that stuff. So it's a lot of, there's a lot of cool information in there. Um, so look for those links. Um, and uh, I just want to uh, thank you again, Cesar, for taking the time to join me and uh, just take care. Thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share this with your audience. And I hope people like this. I want to say thank you to IOActive for being a sponsor of TechSpective. IOActive is a trusted security advisor serving the Global 500 and enterprises around the world to help them safeguard their assets and improve their overall security posture. Uh, IOActive researchers and consultants engage in cutting edge security research so that they can better understand how attackers think and the tools and exploits they use and then apply that knowledge to help secure and protect clients. You can show your support and learn more about IOActive by clicking the IOActive logo under Sponsors at the upper right of TechSpective, or you could visit IOActive online at ioactive.com. Thank you for listening. I hope that you uh, got some entertainment or education or, or some value out of uh, the time you invested listening to the podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would give me that feedback and let me know what you like and what you don't like, either in the comments, uh, on the on the blog post on TechSpective, or uh, review the uh, podcast in iTunes. Um, but regardless, uh, again, I just really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Thank you.